Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. So uh, when you came in this morning, um, you may have got a little slip that says, count me in for the Bondage Breaker series coming up. If you got one of those little slips, they were handed out, I think, at the door. So just have that in your hand for later on as well. But we're in this series. It's a New Day series. And uh, we've been looking in the first week, uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, we learned about different seasons of life and how the church goes through different seasons. And we called on a spiritual springtime season for the church, an early spring. We said, let's not wait till September for springtime. Let's say, let's start our springtime season now with some new growth and a new move of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our lives. And I remember we ended up out on the grass outside in the beautiful sunshine and we prayed over our church to receive this new blessing, this new day that we're in. And then last week we continued on with the New Day series and we focused on the first of our core values. Does anyone remember what that was, that first core value? Being lavished in love, exactly. Lavished in love. And we looked at some great scriptures. One of my favorites in 1 John 3, it says, it says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. There's that word, lavish. It's one of those ah words. It's like the lavishing love of God on us. And, and then we look in 1 John 3, 11. John goes on to say, for this is the message that you heard from the beginning that we should what? Love one another. And we finished the talk by being painstakingly practical about how we should lavish on each other the love of God that we've been so lavished with from God. And we looked at some of the, I guess you could say, the love languages. And we saw to come right out and say it, this will be on the screen as a reminder, that we could start to just come right out and say it and use words of affirmation and, and even write down little messages to one another and sharing the lavishing love of God and transferring love through touch. And I preface that by saying appropriate forms of touch. And then the thirdly, we said giving small acts of kindness is a great way to transfer massive amounts of love to each other. And then we looked at number four, to, to do life together deeply. And we talked about being connected in each other's homes and sharing meals together, just like they did in the early church. And then we finished last week with this last one, expressing love through giving. And we were reminded about God's lavish love in the giving of his son, Jesus. It was just the most lavish love that you could ever give, is to give of your own son, who you love. What a powerful reminder as we shared communion together last week of the lavishing love of God upon our lives. So moving forward to today and into this little series we're doing on a new day, we're now going to focus on the next one of these core values. Does anyone remember what that one was? Being Christ-centered. That's it, centered in Christ. Thank you. And while we're kind of in trying to jog our memory, next week we're going to focus on the third one of our core values. What was that one? Does anyone remember? Empowered in prayer. Perfect. So lavish in love, centered in Christ, empowered in prayer. I think they're just three great values that we could focus on as a church as we're entering into this new season. And so that's what we're going to focus on. But back to today. Oh, I forgot about the fourth core value. Filled with food, right? Filled with food. Everyone say that one. Filled with food. Right. Next week we'll do empowered with prayer for our commissioning thing. And then we'll go outside and get filled with food. Sound good? So, today is all about being centered in Christ. 
And I want to really keep it really as simple as I can today and share what I think being centered in Christ means to me personally or me individually. And then I want to give again, be painstakingly practical, give just two or three things at the end that we could say, yes, I could put that in place in my life and be centered in Christ. So I want to start talking not about the church as a whole as being centered in Christ, because I just feel that maybe if we were to put a thought out there that if we want to be centered in Christ as a church as a whole, it might start with us individually being centered in Christ. And that as I grow in being centered in Christ myself and as you grow individually being centered in Christ and together as we come together, our church as a whole will become centered in Christ. Collectively, we'll really become the body of Christ, centered in him. And Jesus is more the center of our hearts and of our relationships. And as Jesus becomes more at the center of our decisions that we make and at the center, at the center of the way we live our lives and being spirit-led, as we're all becoming more like that and centered in God, then I believe our church as a whole will become centered in Christ. So today I want to talk to you about my heart and being centered in Christ. And I guess your heart in being centered in Christ and as we grow in this, I know as a whole church, we'll become what? Centered in Christ. Now you're a Christian. Some of you are new Christians. Some of you are not Christians yet. Some of you have been Christ followers for a long time. And so today, we all need to be reminded of an amazing truth. And I don't want you to just go, oh, yep, that's right. I remember that. I want you to actually make a commitment to this one today with a heartfelt knowledge and live it in a moment-by-moment -moment experience. And I'm talking about living in the presence of God, of the one who now lives within you, that you would be centered in Christ by the Holy Spirit living in you. Now, I can remember when I was in my early 20s. That was a while ago. Having one of those aha moments. And in that moment... You know when the truth drops from your head down into your heart? In that moment when something just got real and you, you realise, oh, that's going to actually change my life. What just happened in that moment is going to affect me. One of those moments when you're reading God's word and it's the same truth, you've read it over and over again. And maybe it's like, oh yeah, I've read that before. And it's, it's just as though the Holy Spirit is right there with you in that moment. He actually is, by the way, right there with you in that moment. And he turns on the light. And it's just so bright. It's like the truth just became illuminated. That's what theologians call it, illumination of the word. It's when the Spirit is speaking it at that very moment so brightly, you just can't believe you've missed it before when you've read those scriptures. And it's, it kind of hits your heart and you start thinking deeply to yourself, how did I ever miss that to start with? And this is going to change me for the rest of my life. That's what happened to me about 25 years ago. And I had this... I'd been a Christian uh, just a few years at that point, and, and then I was reading the book of Galatians again. It's one of those books I loved reading, and as I'd read it many times, the Holy Spirit finally came in, and I had to pause when I got to that verse, Galatians 2.20. And I just paused there. Why did I pause there? Because I felt God wanted to set me up with something for the rest of my life that would define my future with a really special truth. The light went on that moment and set me up with a belief this, what this new Christ-centered life 
really was. And that it's not built on me. My life would not be built on my past or on my failures or on my old life. Or It's got nothing to do with my old life, actually. This belief was actually that I no longer even live. My old life is dead. But here's the kicker. Now Christ lives in me. It says in Galatians 2.20, it'll be on the screen, my old self has been crucified with Christ, Paul writes. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let me explain it this way, guys. There was a time when I lived in the USA for a couple of years, way back in those early days. And I had um, some amazing friends, some fantastic friends, Dan and Christina, and they were Jeep lovers. You know, Jeep, cars, four-wheel drives. They were Jeep lovers. They loved their Jeep Wranglers. They had a couple of Jeep Wranglers, and they had a Jeep Cherokee, and they just, I remember the one time I was in LA and I stayed with them and they had this brand new hotted up four-wheel drive Jeep Wrangler convertible and they just gave me the keys and said, here, you take that while you're here with us. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. And so then I remember that moment I got to drive it and at that moment I fell in love with Jeeps. Before, I, that, before that moment, I never really noticed Jeeps. I never really saw Jeeps. But after that experience of driving down an LA freeway in a beautiful, hotted up Jeep convertible, now I'd experienced Jeeps and my eyes were open to the Jeep. It's just a Jeep thing, guys. It's okay. <laughs> anyway, here I was driving down this LA freeway in this Jeep convertible. It's still a fun memory, even 20 years later. That was an experience, right? Well, that changed my view of Jeeps forever. It wasn't just a car anymore that I might see on the road occasionally. It was now a full-blown experience that I felt it and I understood what it was like to drive. So after a couple of years, when I got home to Brisbane to live, I started seeing Jeeps everywhere. Has that ever happened to you? You see the car that you really like, all of a sudden they're everywhere. I still see them everywhere, even though I got over my Jeep thing. And it often will bring back memories of that experience driving down the LA freeway. So, let me continue. In one of those weaker moments, a few years after I got back to Brisbane, I went out and I bought my own Jeep Wrangler. It was so cool. Do you want to see a photo? All right, we'll put that on the screen, Dave. There it is. That's not actually the one I had. I had mine all chromed out as well. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was so much fun. And then after that, I got that out of my system about three or four years later. I thought, I'm going to upgrade. And so I, I actually downsized my car to this one. <laughs> I actually did. My daughter bought that car. She still has that car. All right, now I'm looking for my next car. Now, I still see Jeeps everywhere, though. And I guess that initial experience in the USA, it changed the way I see Jeeps forever. We can take off the barina now. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that once God shows you something and then it drops from your head down into your heart, 
Once you start to experience the truth of that, all of a sudden you see that truth everywhere that you look. And you wonder, how could I have missed it before? How could I have not got it before? And so here I was in my early 20s reading Galatians 2.20, and I paused there, and the understanding of what Christ has done in me started to really speak to me. That was the moment I no longer based my life on the flawed version of Troy, but I began to build my life upon what Christ had achieved through his death and through his resurrection in my life. Building on the fact that Christ is living in me by his spirit now and that I have all of Christ within me, in a sense, by his spirit. All of Christ and what is obtained through the cross is mine. And it makes up who I am and it forms my new identity because it's no longer I who lives. It's now Christ who lives in me, the hope of glory. It says that I am a new creation. I am a new creation in him. No more in condemnation. I now I mean, Now that was that moment that I no longer based my life on the old version of Troy. And then, just like I began to see Jeep Wranglers everywhere, and even now I still see Jeep Wranglers everywhere, and have great memories of that in my life. In the same way, spiritually, my eyes were open to see something of God's truth over and over and over and over again. I'm reading the Bible and I see it again and then again. I'm like, wow, this is amazing to me. It's just like another Jeep Wrangler just went flying down the LA freeway. I see the truth of who I am everywhere. And now I'm experiencing it on a day-by-day basis. I'm reading, and I saw this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone, and a new life has begun. I thought, oh, there it is again. Ah, oh, another Jeep Wrangler flying down the highway. All of a sudden, I realized there was some kind of great exchange that took place within me. That Christ now lives in me. That I am dead and Christ lives. That I once lived under this curse of spiritual death, but now Christ lives within me. The old is gone and Christ is now at the center. And then I saw this. It says, since you have heard about Jesus and you have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your old former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes and put on the new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And I said, oh, wow, there it is again. Another Jeep Wrangler flying down the highway. My spiritual eyes were opened and I started seeing the same truth over and over again that my life is now centered in Christ. And when I was saved, that I'd received a new identity, but now it was becoming a day-by-day experience for me. And the light bulb came on. And I saw it again in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I am right with God now through Christ. Christ became sin for me in order for me to have a right standing with him. And then it happened again. And I read, for we died 
and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live what? New lives. There it is again. A life centered in Christ. I started, it started dropping from my head and down into my heart. And I started falling more and more in love with him. This new life, it started defining who I was. And then I read it again. In Romans 6, 4 to 6, it says, Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. And we are no longer slaves to sin. Let me hear a praise the Lord. We are no longer slaves to sin. There it is again, another Jeep Wrangler going down the highway. You know, I've seen this hundreds of times now in the scriptures. And it's defined who I am because my identity now is centered in Christ. Who I am is centered in Christ. So here I am 25 years later and so glad that I came to realize this 25 years ago, that the old Troy is gone, that he's dead, that he's been crucified and now Christ lives in me. And now because I live in him and I live in that truth and I experience that truth, I see it everywhere. And I don't just know about it, it's dropped into my heart and so I live in it. I am centered in him. My life revolves around him. He is the center of my heart. I walk in him. He determines how I make my decisions in my life. He determines how I live my life. And the more I understand him, the deeper it defines me and directs me. And I find that that truth is what validates me in this world. I don't need to look anywhere for my identity except in Christ. I don't get my identity from the people around me and the things I do and the the situations, the circumstances I face, my identity is found in him. The more I understand him, the more that truth validates me. That truth is a new way of thinking, isn't it, church? That's why Paul says in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of the world and the old way of thinking. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a new way of thinking. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind in this truth. And I was being transformed in these truths. The more I think about it, the more I believe it. This is probably the most powerful truth that we could preach in the church for our lives. And yet I wonder if it's maybe one of the most undertaught truths or underlived truths at least within the church because imagine what it would be like if we as a church all lived centred in Christ, all of us, living centered in Christ, what would the church look like? What do you think? Christ, I wonder if sometimes we've not really focused on the Christ-centeredness thing, that Jesus is a part of our life, that we live for him but not in him, that I got saved and he, he saved me in a sense, but I haven't surrendered and fully given and lived in him. Imagine what would happen at Creekside if all the Christians really lived centered in him. Believing God meant what he said about you. When through the words of Paul, he said, it's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. And then imagine, he goes on to say, uh, that Paul goes on to say, the life I live now in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. 
He loved me and he gave himself for me. The life I live now in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Isn't that beautiful words? Wouldn't that be amazing if we all just live by faith in the Son of God? I haven't got this perfect, by the way. I'm still renewing my mind in this truth every day. Every day we renew our minds in this truth, don't we? Let me ask you the question, what's the biggest obstacle that you face in your life right now from living centered in Christ? There may be many things, but what's stopping you right now from fully living in your identity in Christ and doing what I say here on a day-by-day basis? I want you to ask yourself, how does Satan stop you from living in the fullness of your identity in Christ right now? And one answer to that is we're just too busy sometimes, just too busy. You know, we take on the busyness. Busyness is not listed as a sin in the Bible, but it could be coupled up there with idolatry. In other words, other things take center place in our life versus Jesus being centered in our life. We get focused on other things instead of Jesus. I wonder if the primary thing that keeps many of us from growing and knowing and the power of Christ within us is that sometimes we're too busy. Or some, for some others, it's, I just don't know. I'm new at this journey and I just don't know. I love what you're saying, but I want to learn. How do I do that? I just don't know yet. So I've never learned um, that I need to take time to focus my heart on him. I've, uh, that I need to start to think about him. That I need to start renewing my mind in him and to refresh my soul in him and to learn more about him and to experience more of him in my life. Imagine if I'd never learned these things. Sometimes I'm just too busy and sometimes I've just never learned them. And so instead of being Christ-centered, I've got all these other things that become the center of my life. Do you know what I'm saying? Other things take place. And when I think about that and I think about you and I think about me and all of us together and I think about the potential of what we could be if we truly live centered in Christ, if we took the time to do this and we learned how to do it, what could it become? So often we throw off our lives, we throw away these things and we focus on smaller little idols in our life and we get tired and we get tired in our busyness and we get exhausted and we get anxious and all of a sudden God just gets creeped out of the picture more and more and it just eats away at our lives and it diminishes our joy and we then complain and then we complain we're too busy and we moan about it and we never do anything about it. But today I want us to do a little refocus, okay? There's three things as we're coming to, to the end of this talk. Three things that we could do that I guarantee will bring immediate results and is just the starting point of how we could get centered in Christ. And I'll spend a little bit more time on this in a couple of weeks when I want to teach us about how we hear, of, how we hear the voice of God, how we can hear a word from God. And we'll get a little more practical in that. But no, I just want to give some very simple, very three, three very simple next steps. If I could give you three really simple steps that would help you become more Christ-centered, would that be good? Yes or yes? Very simple today. Just getting some foundational things in place here. And let me just find where I'm up to here. Okay. It's going to require that we make some commitment in our lives. It's always going to require to be Christ-centered that we make some commitment in our lives. There's some simple practices here that are really going to make a difference, but they do take some commitment. And so they're on the screen. Committing to these practices has immediate results. You're going to see, I don't want to just show you how to know about 
God or know your identity. I want you to live in him. I want you to experience him. It's only useful if we actually live in this truth. It's only going to work that way. So otherwise, Satan has deceived us. He's deceived us into not living in the truth, being Christ-centered. It's kind of like saying, oh, yeah, there goes that Jeep Wrangler down, but I've never experienced driving that Jeep Wrangler. I want you to experience what it's like. So I want to highlight a few simple steps now. The first one is a daily practice. And then we're going to look at a weekly practice. And then we're going to look at a yearly practice. And we could get into other practices. There's so many spiritual disciplines. But the first one is just a daily practice. Spending time alone with God every day. You need to give God a chunk of time every day to connect with God and surrender to him and read his word and pray to him. The psalmist talks about meditating on God's word. The first chapter of Joshua talks about it too. It says to read and to meditate on the word of God and then pray about it. This is a common practice for those who want to be centered in Christ. There is simply no better way to immerse yourself in being centered in Christ than to take a chunk of time every single day and devote to him. There's no better way. Now, in a couple of weeks' time, I'm going to break that down and we're going to look at how could you spend time alone with God? How can I hear a word from God every single day when I meet with him? And that's going to be fantastic. Now, over the years, I've had people ask me how, they, how to know God's will for their life. How do I live a Christ-centered life? Or how do I know or hear God's voice? And I could answer all those questions really simply. But I just asked them one really simple answer first. And I asked them about this practice of spending time alone with God. If I ask them what they're doing, I say, are you spending time alone with God? every day and they say ah not really and I say well why not and they say I'm too busy or they say I don't know how I want to spend more time on this with us Because if we're going to be centered in Christ, it starts here. Spending time with Christ. Okay, let's move on. A weekly practice. Time with the fellowship. There are some things here that require weekly practice. And we can read about some of them in the Bible. In the Old Testament, there was a practice that God asks us to observe every week on a weekly basis. Does anyone remember what that practice was? The Sabbath. One day a week, he talks about, obey the Sabbath. is to be part of our weekly rhythm of our lives. Throughout history of the church, the single most ancient practice of the body of Christ is that it would gather together at least weekly. The early church, it says they gathered in the temple courts daily. But at least weekly, they would gather throughout history for a time of corporate worship, a time of learning. Hebrews 10.25 says, don't neglect the assembling of ourselves together. For the writer of Hebrews, it was unthinkable that you would try to follow Christ without getting together with the body of Christ on a weekly basis to obey the Sabbath. He says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So to us here at Creekside, 
if we are centered on Christ and we're gathering together for corporate worship as the body of Christ and we're learning together to learn about God's word and be together as a fellowship, this is just not an optional deal, guys. Being here is not an optional deal. Do not give up the gathering together. We are the body of Christ when we are together. Does that make sense? And I think we just get the importance of that in our minds. We are the body of Christ together. So for those of us who are new around here, I'm telling you, if you really want to put busyness in its right place, if you really want to grow, if you really want to put your heart into a safe church, which we are, where we can begin to walk more deeply in this identity in Christ and be centered on him with the fellowship here. And some people feel disconnected in church, and I understand that. You understand that, especially when you're new and you're trying to find your way in, but you don't, ask the, ask the question, you don't regularly attend. If you don't regularly attend, how will you get connected in? It kind of makes sense, doesn't it? We need to regularly attend, and we say, well, if we're not regularly attending church together, then... Why not? Well, the answer is often what? Too busy. Do whatever it takes to observe this. It's not an optional deal. It's a way that we discipline ourselves to honour God together as a fellowship. It's what happened in the early church and it's what has happened throughout history. Let's have a look at number three, a yearly practice. God commanded his people to do certain things on an annual basis. Like an example might be the Passover. The Passover, where people would get out, there, get out of their homes and they'd go on a pilgrimage, they'd go on a journey. On an annual basis, they could go and see how, I guess I'm asking you today, how good would it be for you to do this on an annual basis? To take some quality time, turn off the busyness and, Go onto a mountaintop experience with God. And maybe it's to go on a mission trip to Liberia. Maybe it's to go on a, a trip to Cambodia, to Thailand, or to follow God somewhere into the mission field. Maybe it's to go to a great conference. Uh, maybe it's to go to a women's retreat in a couple of weekends' time. Turn off the busyness and go into a mountaintop experience where God can speak to you. It's like you're going on a spiritual pilgrimage. And God can do something amazing in your life, not just as you follow him obediently in that way, but as you dedicate quality time to him where he can do that and become centered in your life. I know that a lot of the kids experience this in the holidays. They go out on scripture union camps. And my daughter Amy actually just got back from a camp last week on Friday, a couple of days ago. And last night was sitting around the table and just she was just sharing with us the incredible life-changing experiences, the way God just has touched her so deeply in, these last, in this last week as she went on a pilgrimage. Once a year high school camp, that was hers. What's yours? What's yours going to be? Is there a great conference you could go on this year? Is there a camp you could go on? Is there a mission trip you could do? Dedicate some time for a spiritual pilgrimage. Okay. In a couple of weeks, as I said, we'll break that down a little bit more. But for now, I just want to challenge you around the busyness of life. Some of you, it's a, it is an idol. And I want to ask you to think about when you could introduce some of these disciplines if you're not already doing that. 
I don't want you to just know the truth. I want you to experience it on a daily basis. Imagine standing before God one day. Imagine if we're there right before him. And he says, I made you. I created you. I thought you up. And and I sent my son to redeem you on the cross. And I created you to think great thoughts and to pray great prayers and to offer living, giving, generous, loving, lavishing worship and to be the light of those who are living in darkness and to be a bearer of good news and to be filled with the presence of my son and to be defined by him and to love in him and to be secure in him and to be accepted in Christ and to be significant in Christ. And he'll say, why didn't you do it? Why didn't you just do it? Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you spend the time that you needed with me to live in a moment by moment, day by day kind of thing? Or a week by week in the fellowship or a a yearly pilgrimage? Why didn't you do that where you could see the presence of Christ in you? I can't imagine standing there on that day and saying to God, I was too busy. I was too busy. Let's pray. I just want to pray today, Lord, for busyness in our lives. Help us put this in perspective. If it is an issue for some of us, um, maybe an issue for all of us, I pray that, Lord, we could make you the Lord of our life this morning and not follow that idol anymore. Father, we need your power, we need your guidance, we need your help. We need to have a great church here with great things, but we can't do it, Lord, when busyness gets in the way. There's so many great things that lie before us as Christ-centered people, but busyness can choke us up. Help us. You are the Lord over time. Become the Lord of my time. Become the Lord of my time. I just want to pray while we've all got our eyes closed. If anyone is sensing that that's particularly for them around this busyness thing, life just feels out of control, maybe. I just want to pray for you. Just acknowledge that to God. Just raise your hand to him. Say, I just want to pray for you today. So anyone that says, yeah, I could see that. Thank you. So anyone just want to ask you. So I want to pray specifically for you just to find more freedom in your life in this area. I pray that everyone here and those who raised their hand would just really sense a freedom today. Your word says, he who the son sets free is free indeed. I pray that the lavishing love of God be poured out upon us and we be in the freedom of that love that every day we could follow you with wholeheartedness and that we will experience vital union in Christ that we would have a great sense of intimacy with him on a day by day moment by moment basis Holy Spirit, come in now, I pray. 
Remove the idol of busyness. We surrender it to you. Forgive us for it. And help us to focus day by day on you. And practice the presence of Christ in me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.